0: that worth it? Praise the Lord. I would be remiss if I didn't start off by saying how thankful to God I am for Cosette, my wife of 26 years. She's here with me tonight, Cosette. Praise the Lord. I thank God for you. I'm going to get right into You know what? i um, I went to the doctor yesterday and I said, uh, doctor, I need you to fix me up. I got to speak tomorrow night. And he sounded like he was McCoy from Star Trek. He said, man, I'm a doctor, not a miracle worker. <laughs> but if you all pray, how many of you are going to pray me through tonight? And that my voice holds up because I think the Lord has something. And if not, then it's just time for me to be quiet anyway. How many of you are enjoying yourself so far? I promise you this will be a blessing to you. This will be a blessing to you. And and here's the way I operate. For those of you who don't know me, I go through the rules, and that is if you help me to preach, then I get done quick. I know you got it, and I get through, and y'all can go home and get some chicken wings and stuff, okay? But if I don't hear anything, then I think you don't get it, and I got to go deeper. All right? Harvey's heard me preach before. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says this, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness, gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, somebody say one, One. just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. We're going to get through this real quick. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Father, I thank you for your word today, and I submit now this vessel to you. What breath I have is yours. The atmosphere is already prepared for you. Now we're ready to receive your word. Give your word, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. It was about 10 years after uh, Rosa Parks was arrested, and roughly two years after Dr. Martin Luther King delivered his famous uh, I Have a Dream speech, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 prohibiting segregation had just come into law. But as many of you would expect, you know, just because a law was passed doesn't mean things change right away, especially laws on a national level. And so it was in that era that I grew up And for most of that time, we lived in a 16-story project building in New York City, South Bronx. And uh, for us as kids, there was nothing much different between our family and the other families around us. We played with the other kids. We laughed. We did the things that kids do. We had our challenges. and, And we were just like anybody else. And Dad worked. And Mom went to school on the weekends. I remember Dad used to take us to the beach. We used to go to a beach called Jones Beach in New York. And we had a great time out there. And that was my family and it was good. Somebody say it was good. Praise the Lord. Is that Jones Beach? Somebody got a copy of my sermon before I did. (laughs) And I remember, where's Kenny at? He's somewhere around here. I saw him. My my brother Kenny, I remember when he was born and uh, we moved from a two-bedroom apartment in that project building to a three-bedroom apartment in the same building and still things were good. Somebody say things were good. And Mom used to take us right in front of that project building. We used to catch the number 34 bus. Now, I'm not preaching from the book of numbers, but there's going to be a lot of numbers here. We used to catch the number 34 bus on 163rd Street to go down to 3rd Avenue. All right? And from 3rd Avenue, we would walk to a store called Alexander's where, you know, it was the, the community store. Are you all familiar with Alexander's? Okay, well, they didn't have them out this far. Kevin, you know about Alexander's? That's maybe before your time. And still, uh, things were good. Somebody said things were good. Now, I don't know what the policies were on the New York City bus system at that time, but I do remember that we used to take this bus kind of regularly. And then on one particular day, we got to get on this bus like we normally do on the number 34 bus on 163rd Street going down to 3rd Avenue. And Mom put the change, you know, he had these little these little things, little podiums in front of the bus driver where you put your coins in and the driver can see the change and... And if it was good, he'd press the button and drop down and counted it for the next person. So mom put her money in this particular day, and the bus driver said something to her. And it caught mom's attention. Now, you would think, I I couldn't have been more, I'll, I'll tell you, I couldn't have been more than about, I don't know, five or six years old, but I remember this day. There's some things that happen in your life, even when you're young, you remember these days. Because up to that point, life was good. And so mom looked at the bus driver, and she said, What'd you say? And I'll never forget, I'll never forget the words that came out the bus driver's mouth after that. Right there, the bus driver looked at my mother and he said, Back of the bus. And my mother was kind of in shock and she said, But I'm white. And the bus driver said, But your kids are black. Back of the bus. And I remember that that day things kind of changed because it was a, there was an awakening. See, I, I learned something that day. I learned that, 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 that my family had black and white people in it. Up to that day, that was something I didn't know. Now, now, now you know, I'm not here to, to, to harp on that. I'm, you know, God's been so good to me over the years and, and uh, you know, I can testify of many things and uh, things of that nature as I'm sure many of you can here today. But God's been good to me over the next 40 years. He's been better to me than those memories, and he's he's caused me to do things in life to have accomplishments that that most people can only dream about. Now, in case you've missed it, that was a plug for my book out there (laughs) afterwards. Okay. Amen. We're going to get done with this real quick. Thank you. Several years ago, when I was asked to help with the Black History Program here in Granbury, I, I really wasn't feeling it, and and I, I didn't relate. I mean, you know, I covertly attended occasional Black History Programs over my life, but you know that just wasn't something that 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 I related to over the years, and so I never put one together, and so. You know, I, I really, I, it, you know, the idea of doing a black history, it really didn't grab me at first. You see, one of the ways I learned to cope over the years, one of the ways I dealt like getting on the number 30 bus on 163rd Street, going down of Third Avenue, was just not to talk about it. Are you following me? That was my coping mechanism. You see, uh, um, I found that if I didn't bring it up, you know, things would go better for me. And so I, I didn't like to bring the black and white issue up in any of the circles I was in. As long as I never talked about it, you know, you know people might have saw me as being different, but it didn't come to their attention. And, and so I can, you know, I can go about my normal business. You know, maybe they won't bring it up if I don't bring it up. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so early on, I realized that there's some things that, about who I am that I just can't draw attention to because it didn't go well for me when I, whenever I did. Now, I don't claim to know about every black person's struggle here. I know about my struggle. And, and, and my struggle, I'm gonna tell you something about my struggle, I, I sometimes got it from both sides. Now, I, somebody don't want me going there tonight. I remember that I, when, I was, when I was, I wasn't little, I was a teenager some, somewhere around there. I was playing the drums for Jimmy Dockett's Love Unlimited Orchestra, and 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 we had moved for about that time from the project building to a, a house right down the street. And my I had up on the third floor, I had this huge bedroom, and Kenny had a closet. <laughs> <laughs> but I had this huge bedroom, and and so. You know, I had drums there, and, and I really didn't have transportation at that time, so it just worked out, so we rehearsed often at my house. And so, uh, you know, we'd be getting along fine with all the musicians, and, and, and you know, we'd be hanging out and doing all that, but, but I learned early on that when, when we rehearsed in my house, I used to try to, you know, get them in the front door and then rush them upstairs before they got to see my family because if some of them saw my mother, they wouldn't come back. I remember one time a musician who I had been working with in the studio, and I don't even remember the guy's name. He knocked on the door, and I I was rushing down the stairs to get to the door, and Mom got there first. And she opened the door and let him in, and the guy comes in the front door, and he looked at Mom, and he looked at me, and he looked at Mom, and he looked at me, and he left. Are you feeling me? And so... And so I got it from both sides. I remember uh, working on, at Lockheed. Before I was an engineer, I, I worked. I was an inspector on the assembly line where we built the world's first uh, F-117 aircraft, the first, first one of these things ever to roll out the door. And, and, and I become good friends with a man there, and, and, and I won't mention his name, but my wife will know who I'm talking about. And we became good friends over the course of about six months. And, and and I don't know if you can picture, but one day we're sitting on top of this F-117 airplane, and we're working, and and in this place it's huge, man. I mean, there's like six airplanes in here. If you can hear the the, the noise and the, the rumble of airplanes being manufactured all over the place, you know, rivets pounding, you know, just, just noise, the noise level is just up there. And just to hear each other, you had to yell because if you if you're two feet away, you can't hear. You have to yell. And so I, this could have been this could have been a movie. I mean, this this was so funny. I think it was funny. Now I think it was funny. <laughs> I'm sitting there with my friend on top of this airplane, and we're working. And suddenly, he remembered that he had seen my mother the day before come and pick me up at the gate. And so while we're working, he stopped me and he says, "Barry, your mother's white." <laughs> and right there. Whew, You can hear a pin drop in that facility. And I looked around. I saw every head stop and turn and look to me to see what I was going to say next. And so I just looked at him and I said, I thought you knew that. And all of a sudden, you hear the noise level come back up. Now, that's the way I remember it. And so I reasoned that early on, you know, though I assimilated into the black culture, Um, There were times I got it from both sides. I reasoned that it was best to avoid the subject. And so as long as I avoided the subject altogether, they would stay like they were when we were kids on 163rd Street in the McKinley Projects. In that place where we were all together, it was impossible to see black and white. It was just mom and dad, brother and sister. That's it. But on the outside, things were different. And I shared that with you for a reason because I I wanted you to understand where my mind was when I was asked to be part of the black history program here in Granbury. Are you feeling me? I guess we're gonna go a little longer then. There, there was more than a little hesitation. There was a, still a part of me that reasoned that, that it's better to just be quiet about the subject and, and not say anything. After all, I had my ministry that didn't really pertain to me. Are you feeling me? You know, I was relatively new to the area and things were good and, and I was accomplished author, a preacher. I served on many boards and at the time president of Ministerial Alliance and, 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 and there was this overwhelming sense of acceptance. You know, you guys welcomed me in here. We felt loved, and I didn't want to rock the boat. Are you feeling me? I've I, seen in the past how when people take on causes like this, how, how perception changes and, and how you know, murmurs start. You know, troublemaker. Are you feeling me? You know, folks sometimes labeled you a troublemaker You know, just for being who you are. I remember uh, um, in elementary school, my sister and I shared the same teacher, and at one time, um, my parents got a little upset because this teacher had put something in her record, and and what it said was, um, a child is is, is emotionally disturbed because child has interracial parents. And I remember my parents had to go to court to get that removed. You see, this teacher didn't know my sister, from nothing. Mm -hmm. But she just assumed, based on my sister's skin, that this was going to be a problem child. Are you with me? And so I didn't want to pick up that cross when I was asked to be part of the black history program here. I was a little hesitant. And so when asked to to be part of this program, all that junk that I had down deep started, started fizzing. You know what I'm talking about? And so right there at that crossroad, the Lord began to minister to me. And, and here's what the Lord said. He said, it's what I created you to be. Now, here's something I learned about the Lord and, and the way he talks. He don't say a whole lot when he talks to you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But when he says that thing he says to you, you understand a whole lot. You feel me? And And so I understood right at that moment that if I said no, I would be denying who I am to God. I'd be denying who I am to my wife. I'd be denying who I am to my children and to my community. It would have been a rejection of my responsibilities to say no. And so the first year I did the program, I, w- I did it kind of on the QT. <laughs> I, I didn't tell nobody about it. We just did it. <laughs> right, Sister Mary? Where you at? We just did it. <laughs> if word got out, word got out. But I wasn't spreading the news. <laughs> Hello? But something happened, you all, while we began to do these programs. Lives started to change. Talked to a man just last week that still tells me, he said, if it had not been for the Black History Program last year, my life would be different. My life has been transformed. I'm now at the place I need to be. You all changed my life. We read from Ephesians four, "I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy, somebody say, Walk worthy, walk worthy. of the calling with which you are called with all lowliness, gentleness, uh, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You know what Paul is basically saying here? Let me tell you, let me put it in modern vernacular, what Paul is saying here. He says I'm the one stuck in this prison for doing real ministry while you guys are out there calling yourself Christians and acting like you're not. Amen. Amen. Christ is not divided. Hello? And then, somebody's saying, then, Amen. Paul goes into talking about ministry gifts. This. Uh, passage of scripture very closely parallels 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to rush it along because you all being good. <laughs> but now indeed there are many members. Somebody say many members. Amen. Say one body. one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And the, and the scripture continues on in this way and it goes right into the ministry gifts just like in Ephesians. You know, we tend to focus on the gifts from this passage of Scripture, from these passages of Scripture. Everybody wants gifts. But we often miss what Paul is lining up here. He's saying there's a way to get the gifts, it's called unity. Are you with me? Listen, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. I like this group right over here. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 says, These all continued with one accord. Somebody say, one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. Listen, they were acting like one body. And when they were doing that, when they were all together with one accord, somebody say, suddenly. Suddenly. Now, I don't know about you, but I sure could use a suddenly right about now. How many of you can use a suddenly right now? Amen? Amen. And so the Bible tells us how we get this suddenly. Church, we got to get this. We got to get this down in our spirit. We got to get this down on the inside. Ephesians says, suffer with one another. That's a word we don't like. Put up with one another. That's something we don't want to do. Keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Those things that that we feel indifference about each other towards, those things really don't matter, you all. They don't matter. Corinthians says there are many members, one body, that that we can't make it alone. We we need one another. How many of you have ever had somebody tell you, I don't need you? Huh? Huh? God has created us, each one uniquely, and that's okay. That's God. But, but we like to find reasons to separate from each other, and that's not God. That's perversion. You stay with this music. I'll stay with that music. You know what, man? You can have these first four chapters of this book of the Bible. I'll take the next four, and we'll just do our church like this, and you do your church like that, and you know, hey, you know, if, if your church ain't doing good, that's fine because we got ours. Y'all don't hear me. Somebody give me a Bible. i got to go deeper. Listen. Beloved, when we do that, when the cross of Christ becomes the reason we divide, when we become indifferent towards one another, when we seek to satisfy our own inhibitions and neglect helping Others reach theirs. Jesus, when he had given thanks, he, he took the whole loaf, the, the, the integral loaf. You only listen to me. The loaf was not broken. It was not divided. And Jesus took that loaf and he began to dismember that loaf. And he began to give it to us. If he did not dismember the loaf, we would never get it. And then he said this. When you come together, you're bringing the bread of life back into wholeness. That's what we're doing when we take communion. Hello? That's that's why Paul says, you know what? failing to discern the Lord's body. That's so serious. You know, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I go to this church. I go to that church. I'm this. I'm... Are you with me? God wants us to remember Him. Man, I thought I had ministry going on. I thought I had it going on. I I thought I was walking worthy. Um... I was talking to a group of elder ministers the other day. Y'all pray for my voice. Maybe you don't if you want to go home. (laughs) And suddenly it hit my spirit to say to them, you know, when I grow up, it just hit my spirit. I said to them, I said, when I grow up, I want to be just like Jesus. And I saw their faces. Brother Glenn was there. And right away, I saw the peace come on everyone's face. And in turn, it's like the spirit swept through there. And everybody said, me too. Me too. And then it got, it got to the last one. He said, so you want to go to the cross too? Jesus taught us that there are some things that are worth giving your all for. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're worth giving my all for. Listen, yes, yes. There's a price to pay for being like Jesus. They walked away from Jesus when his word got too deep. He wasn't saying anymore what they wanted him to say. And that's not all they did to him. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured it, and he sat down at the right hand of God. Y'all ought to be getting happy right there. You see, yes, there's a price to pay, but that's not the end of the story. God says, if you pay the price, I've got something better for you. It's what I created you to be. Turn to somebody and said, it's what God created you to be. Turn to somebody else and say, walk worthy. I'm, I'm getting ready to close. So the Lord brought gentle rebuke to me. He, he rebuked me very gently and I, and I love him for that. And he began to show me that that there was some controversy within and controversy without. And that, and that, that part of what he created to be, for me to be, that part of me that I didn't want to deal with head on, you see, that thing was hindering me from from coming into the fullness of what God has called me to be. You know, the joy that was set before me, there was some joy I was not experiencing because I was refusing. And so I embraced, embraced the process and I began promoting black history programs and some of you began getting my emails and... And and you know, what's this black history thing? Did it change the way people viewed me? Some some. But there was another level of reverence. There, there was another level of somebody say integrity. Amen. Most of all, there was an outward embracing of what God said I'm to be. You're, let me try to clear this up. I watch each year as, as healing comes to, the, to both the people that come to these services and, and the community as a result. You know, the scripture says when Christ sets you free, you're what? Free. Can we say that this way? When Christ sets you free, you can be yourself. <laughs> Did that clear it up a little? Now, I don't mean act a fool, but you can be what God created you to be. There's too many Christians afraid to let the world know who they are. Imagine the whole body of Christ walking worthy. Imagine if we took the time to find out what God created each other to be. What if we took the time to go out of our way and make sure that each of us were comfortable in our own skin? Second Corinthians five seventeen says this: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled. Somebody say reconciled reconciled us unto himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation that word reconciles from the Greek word uh, catalasso. it means to to change mutually to compound listen, listen, listen if we're in him then, then God is working over us and our old identity is gone are you with me? That, that white, that black, and that, that all things, hello, is gone because we are new. We take on a new identity in Christ. And as we identify with him, there's no more Jew, there's no more Greek, there's no black, no white, there's no male, there's no female. Amen. Just like that little old apartment on 163rd Street. Turn to somebody and say, just be yourself i turn to somebody else and say, help the rest of the body be themselves. Tonight, let's let's put on Christ together tonight. You know, our biggest hindrance is fear. There are folks afraid that they're going to get hurt again. I'm talking about folks on both sides of the aisle. I'm talking about folks afraid that if we come together to celebrate black history, that we're you know, we're, we're going we're to disturb something that needs to be left alone. And what they're really saying is that they're afraid that maybe some shame will be exposed. But let me tell you something. I don't care about that bus driver on 163rd Street, the number four bus going down 3rd Avenue, because I got Jesus. just care that i'm free today in christ can anybody relate to that and i'm free because christ forgives me somebody say christ forgives me and he gives me the ability to forgive myself y'all with me hey if god's heart is about reconciliation what what business have we got being unreconciled I've ask Pastor Kevin to minister in song and as he does that, I want to ask you to do this. Will you bear with me just a few moments? I hope I have liberty. I'm going to ask you all to stand all over the place. And you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to ask you to join hands and, and just look at somebody next to you and pray for one another. And what I want you to do is say, you know what? I want you to forgive me as I forgive you And, and when you do that, when you're saying that, what I want you to do is picture somebody that you haven't forgiven. Are you with me? Just begin praying for forgiveness for one another. Can you do that for me right now? I didn't mean to get all ecclesiastical on you. But let's, let's, let's move into, let's follow the Spirit and move into this time of forgiveness.
1: I want a heart that forgives. Begin praying for
0: one another right now, please.
1: A heart full of love. One with compassion. Slide yours above one that overcomes evil fathers they pray. goodness and love i forgive that bus It time. never happened Oh, bless bodies want harm that i forgive me. that musician that walked away that lives and less live one that lord i forgive myself for not Owning up to my responsibilities, who you created me to be. One that meant oh bless you, Lord Jesus. Cause your word is me. One that loves without price, like you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Father, I want a
1: heart that loves everybody. Father, even my enemies, I want to love like you be like. Lord, you just like you did. Father, I want a heart that forgives. I want a heart that forgives when the ones that are closest. they hurt me the most. I still want to love them just like you love me. Father, even though I'm hurting, Lord, you know they hurt me so deep. I want a heart that forgives. Lord, when the pain is so deep that it's so hard. Speak about it to anyone, but just like your son, Father, I give up my right to hold it against them. But hatred is high, Father. I want a heart that loves everybody, Father, even my enemies. I want to love like you be like, just like you did. I want to walk like you talk like, just like you did. I want to love them anyway, Father, no matter what they did, no matter what they say, Lord. Because the heart that forgives is the heart that will live. Totally free from the pain of the past And the heart that lets go Is the heart that will know so much freedom But today the question is Do you want to be free? Yes. Father, I want to be free from what happened to me. I don't want to hold it no more. I thought I was hurting them, but I was only keeping myself in bondage. Would you help me let it go, Lord? Father, what mama did you help me, let it go, Lord. Father, what daddy did, I know you got so much for me, so much I know you want to do in my life, but Father, tonight, would you give us a heart that forgives?